This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 522. I have no comma in my paycheck, bro. No comma in my joint, bro. Ain't nothing motivating to not having a comma in your paycheck. So anyway, I had no comma in my joint. They want to fight me. They call it. However, I had to sit there and listen. I had to listen to what their problem was so I can put them in touch in the right department. So we went from, you know, no comma to, to, to no limits, man, because of my mindset. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? It is me, David Green, your host of today's Bigger Pockets podcast. I've got some news to share. I think I may have officially worn out my co-host, Brandon Turner. He hasn't been able to keep up with me, and he needs a little bit of time off. So while Brandon is recovering from the strain that I've put him through, we're going to be trying out some different co-hosts here on this show who bring a different perspective and a lot of wisdom along with them. Today, I'll be sharing the ball with Nasser El Arabi. And we get into a very good conversation about just what he did to leave the W-2 world and go full-time into real estate investing. I know this is a question on many people's hearts who are trying to figure out if that is for them. So there should be a ton of really good content in there, as well as if you just want to be better at the job that you have. Nasser gives some really good information from that front too. Nasser, what is going on, my man? Hey, I'm doing okay. First things first, just want to say thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited and I think the people will love this show. Yeah. So we're going to get into the five skills that you had to develop to pursue your dream of being a full-time real estate investing. We're going to talk about how you got fired from your job. You're very transparent about how that went down and how that felt. I thought that was really cool. What skills you brought from that job into the world of full-time real estate investing and two concepts that people need to understand when it comes to marketing and to find deals. All that and more in today's show. But before we get into that, let's get into today's quick tip. All right, here's what I want to say for today's quick tip. If you yourself are in a position where you don't feel on fire about your job, you don't like where you're working, you don't like what you do for work, you don't like who you work for, you don't like your commute, there's a lot of reasons that people are unhappy. Sometimes that's something inside of you that you need to fix. There's some people that are just bitter or it colors their perspective. They're not grateful for what they have. But other times, it's like Nasser says in this episode, you may be a fish who's trying to climb a wall. And no fish is ever going to be happy if they're trying to climb a wall. So what we want to help you do is find out where you can get in that water and where you can swim using the skills you have, the knowledge you have, and maybe even the vision you have to further the company you work for, which may be yourself. So I would like for everybody here to ask themselves, where could you be working where your natural skills and attributes and passions would be working for you instead of going to waste? You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. 
You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rental retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, rental retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentalretirement.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Nasser, is there anything that you'd like to say before we get into this thing? Listen. When you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Now, let's get into the show. Nasser, my man, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. How are you today? Man, thank you for having me, man. I, I appreciate it. So for those who don't remember, we actually had you on the podcast long before I was the host of it. So it was show 116, 116. Can you give us a little recap about your story, what you talked about on the show, and then maybe what you've been up to since then? Yes, absolutely. From 116, I was basically telling my story of how I was a, a corporate failure, you know, working uh, the banking industry for four years. For those who don't know, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina had the number two biggest, is the number two biggest banking hub in the country. So I worked in banking for four years, definitely got fired, man. I uh, wasn't no surprise fire. Don't feel bad for me. I knew that was coming. I was a terrible employee. You know, I apologize to those good people who tried to give me an opportunity to work for them, but um, that didn't work. So I got fired and I've been wholesaling houses full time since September of 2012. And, um, 
Yeah, that's like my, my, my background. But actually, I bought my first house in 2007. And me and my man, uh, we bought the house. We ended up losing 7000 a piece. We figured flipping houses was easy because we was watching the shows on TV at the time. And um, all you had to do was buy an ugly house, yell out some contractors and make a bunch of money. Man, then we had to deal with reality of the situation. You know, I was before when I bought that house, man, I actually um, already had my money spent. I was about to go get me a a Bentley GT coupe. But unfortunately, um, well, fortunately, we lost, you know, uh, because I definitely didn't need no Bentley at that age and living at home. But we lost money, $7,000 a piece. And I end up, you know, packing up, uh, leaving New Jersey and um from north jersey and we flipped that house in east orange and from elizabeth and um i ended up moving to charlotte north carolina man and yeah been pursuing real estate since so tell me what your pursuit of real estate looks like right now what kind of a business are you involved in and what kind of properties are you buying ah uh, yeah so yeah my highest paying job man where i got fired from man was thirty eight thousand a year you know again i don't told those people that i can work microsoft excel and do all that stuff man and cuz i found this nice resume on the internet man and it you know the microsoft suite joint that you find on the uh the internet so i i figured like yo man this is sound good let me put it on my resume so i did that man on copy and paste and those people fired me man my highest job was 38000 uh the most i've ever done this business per year is 1.8 mil um but basically you know we have a uh a team of cold callers, some BAs doing follow-up, and I have about three acquisition managers uh, right now. We're mainly focused on wholesaling houses uh, in Charlotte metro area. All right. And how many deals would you say you're doing in a year right now? Oh, we're, we're last year we did about 66, but, you know, normally a high is we probably did about uh, 80, you know, uh, 80 a year. You know, we don't mm-hmm. definitely don't have the biggest wholesale operation in the country, but, you know, we do enough, whereas, you know, we make it work. Um, you know, one year we did a hundred, but I, I, our whole thing now is like, you know, lifestyle and work towards the goals properly. So, but that's, that's where we're at right now. That's impressive. That's a lot of properties you're putting under contract. As far as your main means of getting them locked up in contract. And then obviously later you figure out if you're going to wholesale it, if you're going to keep it, if you're going to flip it, what methods are you using to contact these sellers? As far as the methods, man, you know, um, right now, believe it or not, man, we got two main focus, man, like which is cold calling and texting. You know, we're killing it, man. Uh, just doing those. For those who don't know, testing is SMS marketing and, and cold calling. Yep. That's our main source. But you know what? If that's the, I mean, really a lot of businesses, I feel like start off doing everything and then they whittle down to what actually works. So I feel like that's a healthy business model as you get into something and you just do all of it and then you learn and then you start cutting out the stuff that doesn't work and you just narrow it down to what's most efficient. So I feel like that's a good stage that you're at in your business right now. What are your goals for what you want this thing to look like in the future? Are you trying to scale bigger or are you just trying to get time back and kind of enjoy life more? Um, more right now, man, my most important thing is time. You know, since I was 19 years old, man, I wanted to be a real estate investor, man. So since I was 19 and, you know, 19 years later, most importantly, you know, I, I got the freedom. So the time and just moving up with the asset classes, that's all it is. That, that's all it is. You know, I just want to move up. I do own a commercial building and, you know, uh, it's not moving as fast as I want. Slow motion is better than no motion. But, you know, I just always wanted to be a real estate investor. So for me, the end goal is maybe, you know, 
uh, apartment complex, commercial real estate, you know, getting a passive income, maybe doing some bigger developments. I built from ground up with an infill lots, but it'd be cool, you know, if I could just develop a corner, you know, in a major city somewhere. So mm. that's where I, 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 I see my future going. And how many hours a week would you say you're working on this business right now? Uh, right now, man, I probably put in 30, 30 hours a week or so. You know, I, I pretty much work on it. Um, I do have to, I do have some rehabs I, I manage, but I'm at like mm-hmm. 30 hours a week. I don't, at one point I was 50, 60, but you know, I was able to, when you hire a team, you don't have to do that as much. That's a very good segue for us to get into what we're going to talk about today. Would you mind sharing what you're going to be sharing with our listeners? Yeah, man, I'm going to be sharing the five skills I had to develop to become a full-time real estate investor that you need so you could take off, man. Yeah. Now, before we get into what those five things are, can you tell me a little bit about your story? Just what your life was like when you were working for someone else? What made you realize you wanted to run your own business? And maybe a little bit about what that transition looked like? Basically, man, I was in a call center. I started out my first job after college, man, bachelor's degree. I was making $10 an hour. Now, I don't know if any of your listeners you know, ever worked in a call center. For those who have not worked in a call center, be extremely grateful. For those who worked in a call center, I get it. I was there. And listen... This going to sound crazy to some people, but when you work in the call center, man, people are literally getting rolled out in stretchers. Yeah, I think I'm exaggerating. Like it was people that was coming in with doctor's notes saying like, yo, my doctor said I can't work at this job no more. You know, and, and you know, I'm from the low income area in New Jersey. So I've seen some wild stuff and I'm like. What? Like, man, it's crazy. So I just knew. I looked at people five and 10 years my senior, and I just realized, like, yo, not me, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't go out like that. It, that. This can't be my life. So a lot of people I find look to real estate to be this magic pill to save them from a job they don't like or a life they don't like. So there's this idea that if I get a couple rental properties, I could go tell my boss to shove it. I could quit. I could be my own boss, and in a year or two, I'll be on that yacht with the girls in bikinis drinking champagne and living the good life. I kind of wanted to hear, because you didn't like your job, and now you're in real estate full-time. Was that what your experience was like as you learned how to buy rental properties and it just developed into this, or did you find that you were sort of trading one set of challenges for another? Okay, that's really interesting. The The reason why people think like that is because that's the way it's framed. All right, so fast forward, you coming up, when I was coming up, you seen the information, which you see, the yacht, the guy, the real estate, and this is what inspired me, right? And I talked about this on episode 116. This is what inspired me to uh, get into real estate. I was 19 years old. I overheard my father talking to his friend about how the neighbor sold his house to the investor for 150. The investor put 20,000 into it and sold it for 270. And I'm 19, so I'm like, man, I got to do real estate. Oh my God. But me being 19, I asked somebody how to get in real estate who didn't do real estate, which was my father. He told me, hey, just go over here and you get your credit fixed. But mm-hmm. one day I'm sitting on the porch and this guy rolls up, whatever whatever year it was, he had that year Range Rover and the model girlfriend hop out. So I'm really sold, you know, like, yo, this is it. Like, this is like, I knew the 100,000, you know, that's all I need to hear. And this is before I knew anything about real estate. Real estate comes with taxes. They come with, um, you know, commissions, closing costs, et cetera. But, you know, I was I was just calculating that money, man. So that's the way it's framed. As far as my journey in real estate, 
I thought that I was going to be able to accumulate rental properties and, and walk away from my job. Mm-hmm. And it did not happen like that. You know, I didn't walk away. They put me up, you know. So with that being said, man, I had some rental properties. I bought a rental property in 08, um, the traditional way. I bought another one in 09 because I realized, like, Charlotte, it's cheap. Then when I went to go buy one in 2010, what happened was they said my debt to income was too high. So I thought my real estate investing career was over, but I was mm-hmm. reading the book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And from reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it pointed me to a, the RIA. And I joined my local RIA. And that's when I found out that's a problem only if I wanted to be a problem. And I learned about wholesaling. And uh, eventually did my first wholesale deal in 2011, got fired from my job at uh, in 2012. I had asked them, uh, Dave, I asked them, can I go to my grandfather's funeral? So um, I was already on final write-up. You know, they used to call me in the, uh, the office every Friday, like, it was the, you know, the principal office when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, grown man getting called in the office every Friday. Terrible experience. Felt very small. So anyway, but I used to play along with it. They said, let me look at your progress this week. All right, we're going to extend this for another week, and we'll see you next Friday. So you know, eventually they cut the puppet strings. That sounds like an incredibly painful experience. I mean, no man ever wants to be fired. It's it's like getting cut from a team. It's one of the worst feelings you could ever have. Right? I'm not going to say that. I've been getting fired since I was 16. Okay. So maybe you got some that. thick yeah. skin when it comes to that. But I think for a lot of people, there's some pain associated with being told like, hey, I don't want you. And at minimum, there was some pain associated with every Friday. You got to go in there and sit in front of people that are like, well, maybe we'll let you stick around another week. So you don't have security. You're not appreciated. It sounds like you were just a bad fit for that job. And I think what I like about your story is that rather than drowning yourself in self-pity, feeling sorry for yourself, blaming the employers. You just took that pain and said, I'm going to put this towards where I want to go. I'm going to let this fuel me to get into the new thing I want to do instead of just getting drunk or getting high or, or, or eating bad food or all the things that we do, right. To feel better. You didn't waste that pain. That's what I want to highlight. Cause you went on to build an incredible company. And I wonder if you'd have been able to, without some of that frustration and pain to motivate you. No, I wouldn't have been able to do it, bro. Cause all that, you know, they, man, they used to talk to me terribly. You know, and not that it's that job. And and I get it. I wasn't the best person, man. I was in my 20s. I was a little wild. You know what I mean? So, yeah, and, and I don't blame all of them. You know, everybody had to do what they had to do. You know, they had to go separate and I had to go separate. I, I'm not, I didn't dislike anybody. Now, were there times when I was at my job and I realized I was going to be fired? I had some stress on my face. Absolutely. I had some stress on my face. But when it actually happened, it was like a relief. You know, mm-hmm. because it was like, right, it, it, I knew it was coming. It happened. Mm-hmm. I, I tried to do right, but, you know, and it, it just didn't work for me. But with that being said, absolutely, that, that played a major part, man. One thing about it, right? This is where a lot of adults go wrong, right? You got to live in your reality, man. I lived in my reality and my reality sucked. That's not the life I envisioned. That's not the life I went to college for. That's not the life I wanted. I didn't go to work and say, oh, I'm happy. Look at me. I'm happy. Oh, I like driving my 01 Taurus. I don't know if it's going to work or tomorrow. I, I like it. Oh, I got a flat tire. Oh, how wonderful. No. You know what I mean? I wanted a car where at least I get in. I know I can make it to work, bro. <laughs> like, is that too much to ask for, bro? Like, no, I'm not happy being poor. 
That just wasn't my thing. I didn't grow up around well-to-do poor people. The poor people I grew up around, man, they wanted to kill you, bro. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to dress up like a cop just to go to my house when I was growing up, bro. So, yeah, it, it was crazy, man. You know, so I just dealt with reality, man, because I grew up in an environment where you had to deal with reality of your situation or you can find yourself in a traumatic situation. So, I just, you know, applied that, kept that with me and realized, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I always was a hustler, you know what I mean? I always made things shape and I just, but I had to make this real estate work and that was it. Now, one thing I love about your story is that you actually, you're going to share five things, five skills you had to develop that helped you become a full-time investor. But each of these skills you were not able to apply when you were working for somebody else at different situations in life, you knew you had a skill or a vision or you could see something that needed to be done and you had no control over getting that thing done because you were working in somebody else's company. And now that you're running the company, there's nothing that stops you from executing on some of these things, right? Especially because you consider yourself the guru, like you get out there and get stuff done. There's no obstacles in your way. When you're working at a call center, you have a script that you're going to say and you're going to make that same call a million times and there's one thing that they want you to do. So what I love about what you're saying is that you believed in yourself enough that you said, hey, this is not working out for me in these situations, but I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to find the situation where these skills do work. And it reminds me of like an athlete on a team where they know they have skill, but they just don't get playing time on that team or that that offense or defense that they run is not conducive to what this player is good at. But you put them on another team and boom, all of a sudden they look great. So that's one of the reasons I would just encourage people don't quit because it might not be you. It might be the situation that you're in. Do you have any insight you want to offer on that before we get into these five skills? Yeah, I just want to say, man, if you judge a fish on its ability to crawl a wall, that fish will go through life thinking it's stupid. Okay? So what that means, man, uh, but if you put that fish in water, that fish going to thrive. So like you said, man, sometimes we just in the wrong environments, man. And unfortunately, some people are not successful because they're in the wrong environments. They have the wrong friends. And I hate to say this, they're in the wrong marriage and the wrong relationships. So they're not successful. You put those people in the right situation. Bow, they're going to start shining. Hmm. Like, I don't know if you watch sports, but, you know, uh, the Carolina Panthers, shout out to the Panthers. You know, they play here in Charlotte. And the Carolina Panthers just picked up Sandon, who played for the Jets. Mm-hmm. So the Jets, you know, he never made it to the postseason. He couldn't do much. Now he's with us two games in. This guy looks like a straight stud because we have the right pieces for him. And sometimes that's what you guys need, just a change of environment, man. You know, I at the age of 24, I moved 10 hours away from home. I had no contacts. I had no friends in my new place. I just knew I had to get out of that environment, man. Mm-hmm. And... um yeah, I moved away in 08, okay? When moved to Charlotte. I would say about the following year or two, my uh, associates that, you know, were from my neighborhood, they got wrapped up in a big investigation and ended up going to jail, you know? But I see, sir, I seen that coming. That's the type of environment I grew in. And I just knew I wanted more out of life, man. I just, mm. and I had to get away, man. So if y'all listening, man, just apply that to your life, man. You know, just sometimes it's the environment, man. That's a great point. And that applies to anybody in any environment. Those principles exist for all people, right? Don't stay there banging your head against the wall, wishing that the world around you would change when you could just leave the world that you're in. 
you can go start somewhere else. So, all right. I, what I want to hear about now are the skills that you had being fostered in you when you were in the wrong environment that then helped you to flourish when you got into the right one. So what is the first skill that you believe that you had to develop to become a full-time real estate investor? People skills, man. People skills, right? And listen, I talk bad about my job. I make jokes about my job. I'm in reality, man. Those terrible jobs made who I am, made who I am the person I, you know, to the person I am today, you know. I worked in a call center from 08 to 2011. And what those roles prepared me for in real estate, I had to talk to people. And you got one mouth and two ears. You had to listen. And when I was in the call center, we ta- I'm taking 100 calls a day in the call center, right? So I'm taking 100 calls a day. And people, when I was this when I was at the bank, people up there um, cursing me out because they got $4 in their account. You know what I mean? They want to know where the $15 go. You know what I mean? Like, so they got $4 in their account. They mad at me. You know, the ones who, you know, were in love and they put their girlfriend or boyfriend name on the account. They didn't realize that that person could call, call in or go to the branch and take out all the money and close the account. That happens more often than you think, believe it or not. <laughs> so they didn't realize that. So now they want to fight me. Why you want to fight me? I'm already making 12 hours. You want to just beat me up. <laughs> I make 12. I, look, I, look, bro, I have no comma in my paycheck, bro. No comma in my joint, bro. Ain't nothing motivating to not having a comma in your paycheck. So anyway, I had no comma in my joint. And they want to fight me. They calling. However, I had to sit there and listen. I had to listen to what their problem was so I can put them in touch with the right uh, in the right department. You know, so, yeah, man. And, and it, went, it went from no comma to, to, to no limits, man, because of my mindset. I took those skills. So when I was making calls, beating up that phone, mm-hmm. I knew I had to listen. I had to have good phone etiquette and I had to be um, I had to put them at ease, you know. I had, if they had concerns, I had to address those concerns. And I learned that in the call center, you know, taking those hundred plus calls, man. So, you know, I got paid to learn for this business, man. And um, I'm glad I went through that, man, because if you would have gave me some money at 2425, Dave, I would have bought a car and I'd have pulled up in front of the club, you know, got the Bentley, the Benz, whatever, Beamer Benz, Bentley. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the vibes and yeah. drove in front of the clubs and, VIP, all drinks on me while my gas tank was on E. Brother, man, I was all messed up in the head, but you know, God didn't give me no money then because God is the all-knower, man. So thank you for not giving me no money at 24. That's such a beautiful perspective too because I think about this all the time that many times in life, if I got what I wanted at the time, it would have been the worst thing that could have happened. Worst thing. Right? Like a lot of times we, we pray that or we ask for money like because we think we need it. But if we got money, we would lose it the second we got it, right? What we really need second. is discipline, a work ethic, humility. And and I've seen this so many times that when you get what you need, but you didn't want, then the money will follow, right? Like sometimes you have a mentality where you've got this bucket with holes in it. And the money's going to drain out. And the universe, God, whatever you're looking at is waiting for those holes to get plugged. And as soon as they are, pfft, the money comes. Yeah, I was saying it, man. Like, yeah, man, they waiting for it to get, you know, for you to fill those holes, man. That's what I love about your mindset. Because have you seen the movie Karate Kid, like the original one? Absolutely, bro. Okay, so Kid, you remember Mr. Miyagi, where dog. Mr. Miyagi was teaching Daniel karate, but Daniel didn't know it. He thought he was just learning how to clean his car. 
But really, he was being humbled. He was being disciplined. If he just knew karate right off the bat, he'd have went out there and got himself into fights and, and created a bigger mess for himself. Right? He had to learn how to develop some of his own character. But he was learning karate while he was doing other things. And when you talk about being in that call center and taking these calls and dealing with angry people, if you had taken a negative attitude and said, this is not my problem, this is stupid, I'm not going to deal with it, you would have been robbing yourself. But it was the skills that you built with this person coming and yelling at you because their girlfriend stole their money and you learned how to sort of like absorb their anger, calm them down, get them to think about it from another perspective that now make you money when you're when you're actually trying to put a seller under contract, right? There's a lot of people going through life that say, I want to quit this job. I don't like it. It's hard. But they don't realize that the skills they could be building in that job is exactly what would the karate that's going to get them into the next level. So can you give us a couple maybe examples of ways that you have developed people skills or ways that you've learned to talk to human beings as specific as you're able to share that investors would want to copy in their own business? Yes, absolutely. And first thing first, let me say um, shout out to uh, Coach Carson. So I know him as Chad Carson. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I was seeing him speak at the local RIA here in Charlotte. And uh, he recommended Toastmasters, again, people skills. And uh, if you're at any Fortune 500 companies, you guys are still going in. They normally have Toastmasters meeting there. But just knowing how to present yourself because you're going to go, sometimes you're going to be face-to-face with sellers, right? So your people skills come intact, right? I don't go in the house, Dave, and beat up the house. Oh, my God, this house is mm-hmm. terrible. Oh, my God, do you see that wall? What's that? I don't go beat up the house. I don't do that. You know, instead, I talk to them. And, you know, I don't want them to feel shamed. I don't want them to feel embarrassed. No. I you know, I, I, wanted, I want you to do business with me. Hey, man, this is all right, man. I've seen worse. Don't even worry about it. The house could be, you know, the, the worst house ever I've been in. And I, hey, man, don't worry about it. I've seen worse. You know, I'm used to this. It's all right. And, you know, I might stare at an issue, you know, so I might stare at it and rub it and pull it down. And today say, oh, yeah, that crack came from uh, the water was coming in the roof and then it got wet. And so, yeah, the, uh, we believe the foundation cracked. And, you know, so I just use the skill of just being a, a people person, talking, mm-hmm. talking to them and not talking at them, if that makes sense. You know, you want to be the expert, but you want them to trust you to be the expert. You want them to address their concerns, because even if you dictate the situation after you sign, the, they sign the contract. Yeah. They can change their mind because they had a bad feeling about you, but I don't want them to change them. I want to I want to put their concerns at ease up front. And that's how I use it by just dealing with sellers, man, directly and going mm-hmm. belly to belly and be able to talk to them and communicate effectively. Sounds like you're aware of how your words would impact them. Absolutely. The people that go in and beat up a house, they don't realize that the seller isn't sitting there thinking, oh, man, I better give it to you for a great deal because I got a crack in it. The opposite happens. The seller now doesn't like you and looks for problems with you to blame, similar to that person that comes in yelling at you because their girlfriend cleared out their account and they want to blame you, that you almost learn that ability to absorb somebody else's negative emotions. Many times it's a seller, it's embarrassment or shame because they know this house is not in good shape. You're building a connection where they feel safe. And now they're safe to tell you, oh yeah, the foundation's cracked and there's a big hole in the roof that let water in, which everyone knows means that it's going to affect the price of the home, but you didn't have to force that on them. They willingly provided that information to you. So I think that that's, I mean, that's brilliant. Just the ability to be aware 
of how what we say affects other people, that emotional intelligence that you developed in these other areas. What would you say would be the second skill that you had to develop in order to become a full-time investor? You know, vision for how to improve processes and the ability to foresee problems, man. When I foresee a problem, I could address it. And let me, uh, and you know, let me give you an uh, uh, example. Of yeah, that. I was about and to ask, what are some examples of things in your business that you were able to foresee and change that made you more successful? Absolutely. So um, we all, you know, work from, you know, my, my operation, we all work from home right now. And so uh, we always work from home. But if I got some during team meetings and stuff like that, somebody who's just always negative, and the WhatsApp group chat, somebody's always negative, and that I know I, we just gotta get rid of them. Mm. You know, oh, there's just no leads. It's just that no, I, I foresee that man. If I see a contractor, he cutting corners. Um, listen, this this foundation is not done right. If we do this house, and the buyer gets his inspection, and that foundation is messed up, I'm gonna have to spend a lot of money getting this fence. To make this con to make this person feel comfortable, but if we do it the for right the first time, I put that buyer's mind at ease. Mm -hmm. So let's do the right thing. We're gonna do the right thing, like Spike Lee. You know what I mean? So if they're not doing so now, I can just cut it short. If they're doing the wrong thing, you know. So at, at when I was at the job, you know, it was like, hey, look, man, you're employee number eighty eight. So just you shut up and take calls. That's a great example. So what I hear you saying is that when you see small red flags, like, Hey, there's no one's paying attention to the contractor. So he's cutting corners. I make this mistake all the time. I want to say, Hey, don't do that again and tell myself I resolved it. But human nature says when I'm not looking, they're going to go right back to doing that same thing. And that could cost you your reputation, the buyer's peace of mind, some negative impact because they cut corners in the beginning. So now when you see that, you just address it right away and put a new contractor in there and explain what your standards are. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's exactly what we do, bro. Just, you know, if we could catch it early, let's catch it early. Mm -hmm. Let's not wait until, you know, we're in front of the Supreme Court. And what about when you mentioned in a WhatsApp, when you have an employee in the company that's speaking negatively or complaining all the time, can you share me a little bit about why that is something that's important that has to be addressed right away? Oh man, that's spread, bro. That's spread over, man. The once you know, if all right, if I go outside right now, saying, "Man, Charlotte's a beautiful city, man. This is man. We got the stadium in the middle of downtown, man. I don't have to pay ninety dollars to park. You know, parking is pretty affordable. I can park in this neighborhood over here and walk to the stadium, man. This is great. You know, I have more people chipping. Like, yeah, Charlotte's a beautiful city. Charlotte's a great city. If I come outside and say. Man, Charlotte, terrible, man. You know, you know what the mayor should be doing. The mayor should be over here doing this, adding this. Yeah, man, you know, this it is terrible. They should widen these sidewalks up. They should <laughs> plant more trees, man. What's up, man? This oxygen is corrupted. And being that this oxygen is corrupted is messing up my senses and I can't breathe properly, you know, through my nostrils. So, you know, with you, that it, it spreads. If you go yes. out there and be positive, it's going to spread. You go out there and be negative, it's going to spread. So you don't want people who are going to be consistently negative. Now, of course, you want team to be honest. And long as, mm -hmm. you know, once they're honest with you, you properly address that concern. If it continues to go on, like, okay, all right, because nah, nah, more people are picking up on this. So mm -hmm. just to give you a, a clear um, example, I'm talking to my hardwood guy. The plumber was there. My hardwood guy was saying how 
it's too hot to work inside. I can't work. It's hot. It's too hot. I, I can't. I I come back in um in the evenings or early in the mornings because I had no air at this place. Um, they're working at. Guess what? The plumber started using the same excuse. Mm-hmm. Because that spread like that. So you know, you just gotta like, you know, address those things up front. Because if you don't, others will use the same excuse not to get things done. That is such a good point. I just had a talk with two of my main employees about uh, if one person asks for a special privilege that others don't have, you may be tempted to say yes, and maybe you really like that one person and you believe they can handle that. But what happens is everybody around you sees they got it and then they want to come ask for it. And even if you tell them all no and you successfully argue and explain why they can't have that same perk, You just burned a ton of energy to get yourself back to where you were in the beginning, which was not energy that you spent creating revenue, improving processes, making people money. And it it hit me just very clearly that when we give that one person, yeah, you can work from home and get paid. But then everybody else says, well, I want to work from home and get paid. Well, a lot of those jobs, they can't be successful if they're at home. There's no accountability. They're not learning what they need to learn. And now I'm spending hours and hours of time and energy to get them to be okay with where we were when we started. So I do love that idea that sometimes when you give in a little bit, you're not just giving in a little bit. You're allowing that to become sort of like the standard that everybody can expect. And you spend a lot of energy not moving the business forward. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then, when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light doc and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Okay, so what is the third skill that you had to develop in order to go full-time into real estate investing? Man, you have to learn marketing, whether you like it or not. I'm not saying you have to deep dive into it mm-hmm. and study great marketers, but you do have to learn marketing. It's extremely important. And um at my job, right, man. And, and I don't know if I ever said this on a podcast before. So let's just be the first, man. Shout out to Bigger Pockets, man. Shout out to the founder, Josh Dawkins. Shout out to my man, Bitter Brandon. But anyway, and definitely you, Dave. You know, and I appreciate you just giving me this opportunity to sit next to you. You know, you know, I, I'm not exactly breathing your air because, you know, yeah, I'm in Charlotte and you're where you are, but you know what I mean, man. Uh-huh. Just appreciative to be here. So anyway, um, marketing, man. So let me tell you something, man. I never passed a business class at a collegiate level. I failed everything at a collegiate, uh, a business class, business class at collegiate level. I was failing, you know what I mean? And never passed a business collegiate class, but fast forward, have a seven figure net worth. My business does seven figures. So for the person listening, man, don't quit. Don't let society tell you that you're less than because you did not pass a standardized test. Okay. Do not let them do that to you, bro. If you believe it, you could achieve it. So back to this marketing joint, man. So marketing was something I wanted to get in. I wanted to get into the marketing department for one of these companies, but none of these companies took me serious, man. So I learned it on my own. I did it. I did it for myself, man. Um, I started out, man, collecting my own data, driving for dollars, man. It took me eight months to get my first deal. But then once I learned how, like, that's how you stay in business, by having sellers, no matter what the market do, if you got sellers in any market or any class of real estate, if you got good deals, you're going to make money. And that's why I love wholesale. I know some people knock it, you know what I mean? But, you know, I I make more than some of the flippers, you know what I mean, that knock it. So whatever. But uh, anyway, so... Some some people knock wholesaling, but this is why I love it because that skill of wholesaling you could apply to any asset class in real estate. But anyway, um, just basically finding the good deal. So I had to learn marketing, man. At one point, direct mail, man, I was spending between fifteen and twenty thousand a month, mm. and that's in like two counties in Charlotte. You know, I was hitting every absentee owner, man. We was killing it. You know, that's probably back when I did the hundred deal year or whatever. But so that stopped working. So if the market's not working, what do you do? Do you quit? You give up? Man, we don't quit over here. You know what I mean? So with that being said, man, you know, I had to adapt what's new. I had to go get a coach. So, you know, what I'm doing is I had to adapt. Now I'm doing uh, cold calling, SMN, word of mouth, which is people just bringing me deals and things of that nature, man. And, you know, that's what I had to do, man. I had to learn marketing, you know, so 
when something's not working, man, you just got to change up the product or the service, man, and just make it happen. So you mentioned three things that you look for with marketing and they're tracking, consistency, and adaptability. Can you share how those concepts apply to the business that you're running now? Absolutely, because you have to track. If you don't track, you don't know what's working and who's coming from where. So that's the important. You want to know that where you're spending your dollars is actually going to the right place. Consistency. You have to say consistent. Um, sometimes people spend money marketing for two months, nothing happens, and they give up. Well, that's that's really uh, normal for that to happen. You know, you're paying your dues is what I tell them. It's all part of your story. So you have to con- have that consistency to keep banging down. You know, if you do marketing in October, right? So this is October. You do marketing in October and they say, uh, well, no, I'm not right. Well, that type of no, no, I'm not right now. I don't want to sell. Hey, can I follow up with you uh, in 30 days? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. You know, if put them on a follow-up schedule. Follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. You know, you got to have that consistency with the lead, not just the marketing as well. Sometimes I talk to somebody for, you know, I had deals where it took us two, three years before we, did, we got the deal. You know? adaptability. You got to know how to adapt, man. Direct yeah. mail start working. And then, you know, like, do you go home and, and, and cry? No, you don't go home and cry. You got to adapt to what's new, what's working. So that's what I had to do, man. And that's how I applied it to my uh, business by adapting, you know, the cold calling, the testing and the RVM, ringless voicemail, which um, the services I use got shut down. But yeah, you know, you just got to know how to adapt. So, what you're saying is that when you were originally in this, you were doing direct mail to absentee owners. You did great. That changed. It stopped working. Other people started doing it for whatever reason. It wasn't effective. So you, instead of just saying, well, I guess I can't wholesale anymore. You moved into uh, SMS, cold calling, word of mouth, and then ringless voicemail. But then ringless voicemail stopped working. So you had to come up with another thing. And I'm sure your mind's already thinking about what the next step is going to be when these things get shut down, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really so good. You- you, you, and you have to stay ahead of the curve, man. You know, you're not, you know, when, you, yeah, you just have to solve problems, man. That's basically it. So solving problems is what you're describing. And that's the thing is when you're in a W2 job, you often don't have to solve problems. You can make it somebody else's problem to solve that problem, right? Like this air isn't good enough. Like you were saying, somebody needs to fix this as opposed to when you're the business owner, well, you the one that got to fix the air. So that's why adaptability is so important. And then to the point of consistency, I've always said, you can't chop a tree down with one swing, at least any tree that you would want, right? If you could chop a tree down with one swing, it's usually not that great of a tree. It's not going to give you good wood. So when you finally, when you first talk to a prospect, a seller, a lead, whatever it is, not many people in the first phone call are going to say, you know what? Here's a listing agreement. It's signed. You sell my house. I don't want to ask you anything again. There are several attempts that have to be made to get any good progress. And if we approach problems like that, we won't be discouraged by the fact consistency is needed. I think a lot of people, their expectation is that in the first call, yes or no, they'll get an answer. And when that doesn't happen, then they give up. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Now we kind of touched on number four when you were answering number three, but why don't we dive into a little bit deeper? What's the fourth thing that somebody needs to learn if they want to be a full-time investor? Man, problem solving, dog. You got to know how to solve problems, man. See, that's a job, right? If there was an issue with my paycheck, man, I could escalate that to my manager. I ain't got to deal with that. My manager (laughs) do all the lay work with HR and all that. But if there's a problem with your paycheck, you got to handle that. So there ain't no escalation. You know, I can't get David Green on the phone and say, hey, Dave, bro, like, man, this seller is not showing up to closing. 
You know, it's like you have to handle that problem. And Dave, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, what does that have to do with me? You know, just calling Dave. But so, uh, and problem solving, man, you will have to use problem solving a lot in real estate investing. Keep in mind, we go after a minority of the market. What I mean by that is the majority of the market can go list their house with a realtor and get top dollar. We're dealing with that segment of the market, which they want to sell fast. They that that they have some type of problem there, you know. A real and I've had this before. A realtor tried to list their house. A realtor couldn't sell it. A realtor said, "Hey, you got to fix this, that, and the third for me to list it." And I list it, and you know that those happen. That that stuff happens. I'm dealing. We have a deal right now. It's about fifty thousand spread on it. Right. The situation is tenants not paying rent. The only can't get them out. Right. Uh, so what did I do? I went to the tenant and said, "Hey, look, I'm not on his, hey, I'm not on nobody's side. I want to buy this house, and I need I, I need you to leave. So, how much is it going to take for us to happen? For that to happen, right? So, we came up with a figure, all right. And with that particular figure, we came up with, you know, I, I said, you know what? If it's going to save me time, it's fifty thousand spread. Let's just do it, right? And I had the buyer lined up. This is just a wholesale deal. So, then the person wasn't out. And then the excuses just kept going. So my, I thought I solved the problem, but another problem happened. The guy is still not going out. still not leaving. So what did I do? Okay, I hired an attorney. I uh, hired an attorney. We did the eviction. Um, we got awarded. Evictions in North Carolina worked pretty fast, but we, we, we got awarded the property. Now we're just in the midst of waiting for the 10 days, uh, the 10-day uh, period before we could do the sheriff lockout. Mm-hmm. You know, where they have a chance to uh, appeal. So I say that to say, um, you know, you're always tenant not leaving. That's not something you walk away from mm-hmm. in this business. COVID or no COVID. That's always I've been dealing with that situation. I've been dealing with real estate investors where I have to go to the tenant. I got to grease their palm. I have to go pay an attorney. I have to do something. I have to solve that seller's problem to get that property. Yep. All right. And that's what I have to do. But you always have to be thinking creatively to get things done. Sometimes um, you're going to come across sellers, whereas getting a bunch of cash doesn't help them with their situation. So what do you do? You you have to offer terms. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, look, what if I can't? Well, are you open to taking your equity in monthly installments? Okay, you are. All right, so look, what if I can pay you, you know, $300 a month? Uh, for this long, you still get the cash flow. You don't have the heavy hit on the capital gains and I can cash you out this period or we can do it running for 30 years and your estate gets the payment, but we can get creative with it. You know, you just want to be able to solve problems. You have to think outside the box with this business. I can't tell you how many clients we've had on my real estate team where we find them a great deal, way under market value. And the reason that we got it is because it has problems. It has a tenant that doesn't want to leave. It has a foundation that has to be repaired. It has extensive rehab work. It has a, a roof that's needed. And the buyer gets cold feet because they focus on the problem. And they lose the perspective that the problem and the equity or the upside are related. You don't get one with the other. It's a yin and a yang that is happening, right? So I'm always reminding myself that the more money I make is attached to the bigger and the harder and the amount of problems that I solve. In fact, that's all money is. It's, it's the return that you get for solving problems and the 
if you're like Elon Musk and you solve really difficult problems, you're going to make a whole bunch of money. And if you're the person that just wants to show up and do the bare minimum work and solve no problems of value, then you can't expect to make very good money. And so in real estate, this is very clear. Like you can't get away from it, that the money come, the whole reason the seller is willing to sell it at that price that you liked was it has a tenant in there that they don't want to deal with. And so walking away from the problem is also walking away from the value. And I just love that attitude that you have that, no, I'm here to, to solve seller's problems and I have to be creative. But at my job, I didn't have the opportunity to do that. Man, let me just tap on that one more, man. I had um, a lender really wanted to do business with me. So I brought him a deal. Okay. I said, man, this is a home run deal. I'm getting in this particular zip code, a hot zip code. I said, there's a shortage of houses under 300,000 in the zip code. A busy street, but the big issue, it has a tenant that's not leaving. So I got to take this on. So uh, he ended up saying, oh, you, got t- uh, you can't get, uh, no, nah, I don't want to lend on the way tenant, you know, and it, the price was 99,000. So I said, okay, and called another lender. He did it. And I end up making, this is my biggest deal today. I end up making $246,000 on that deal, man, because I dealt with the problem. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I didn't focus on the problem. Getting the tenant out. That's I. Right, see the wood. I got to go there and grease his because now you do have to understand your uh, tenant landlord law. Every state is different. Some states I've heard were extremely difficult to get people out. The state mm-hmm. that I am in is not that difficult. I know either I'm going to pay the, I'm going to pay this person to leave. They're going to leave willingly, or I'm going to hire an attorney and get them out. So I know I have some options there. You know, this person just needs some time to leave, and you know they. They kept their word and, you know, not the mm-hmm. first date they told me, but they eventually <laughs> left, you know, so eventually just left. And that was that. So you just have to you can't focus on the problem. You have to focus yeah. on the solution to yeah. the problem. And that's why we're high. That's such a great story. This is why we're highlighting the danger in thinking that real estate helps you avoid solving problems. I don't want to work at this job because my boss doesn't like me or I don't like to have to wake up on time or I don't want to deal with stuff. I just want to do with real estate so I have to deal with anything. No, you're going to make money in real estate because of what you're willing to deal with. And so the better attitude is exactly what you took, Nasser, where you are embracing that I have to go solve this problem. And so like that's one of the things that my loan brokers that we're doing different is we're looking at what are the problems that investors have getting financing and how do we go find loans that we can give to people that don't qualify for mortgages like me. I couldn't buy real estate for a long time because I had 10 finance properties. And you can let that become, like you said earlier, it's a problem if you let it become a problem or if you decide to allow it to be a problem. But now we just look for this loan program that we're using now. And it doesn't matter what the person's debt to income ratio or credit score is. They're just looking at the property. And most people are getting qualified with that loan. And there's like like probably 10 to 15 deals a month are coming through just with that one loan program because it solves everyone's problems. And so if there's one thing that I would just want everyone to take away from the episode with you, it's that embrace the problem solving, make it your responsibility to do that. And then you will find yourself not being broke, like you were saying earlier. So that moves us on to number five, which is where a lot of people get stuck. And I feel like this is your go-to move when it comes to uh, real estate, just like you got a basketball jersey on right now. This is your Hakeem Olajuwon dream shake. Tell us, what is the fifth thing that everyone needs, skill people need to develop to become a full-time investor? I, I, know this, I know we said this is the fifth thing, but this is like the most important thing, okay? You, you got to have just that no quitness to you. You can't quit, man. Some people, every time life throws a curveball, bro, they tap out. This 
This is not the business for that mentality. The most important thing, man, is to fix your mentality and prepare yourself for the process whenever you're trying to achieve any big mm-hmm. goals. For some of you come from families, whereas your parents didn't own a house. Your parents never made over 100000 Nobody you know never made 100000 If, you know, that type of situation, so this is going to be new to you, all right? This is new. You know, you don't know no home flippers. You don't know no wholesalers. Okay, so this is new. So it's going to be difficult. You need to embrace the, embrace the process. I just had that in me since a child. You know, I was blessed to have some really great parents. One thing they instilled to me, man, never quit. They would never let me quit anything, man. One time, man, I was a kid in grade school, man, playing for the football team the, at the park. Um, and um, I broke my arm, dislocated my elbow. Okay. Broke my arm, dislocated my elbow, man. And um, <clears throat> I didn't want to, I had to get surgery and anything. My elbow was up here. You know, it was crazy. Mm. I, I glanced at it. You know what I mean? I couldn't even move. I'm laid out. You know, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't know what, I was a kid or whatever. So I wanted to quit. I said, yo, I'm not playing. I had to get surgeries in the cast, you know, all that. So yo, I'm not playing football. They said, what? You won't play. Man, they made me, I'm in the cast. You know, regular clothes. They made me go to practice every day. They made me go to the, okay, I put my jersey on, went to the games with my cast. But the coach used to make a reference, like, man, NASA can't even play. And he's at practice more than the guys who don't mm-hmm. play. You know what I mean? No, no more mm-hmm. than the guys who do play. You know, so, <laughs> and my parents made me, so, you know, um, after the season was over, whatever, you know, I went to the banquet and everything. My parents would not let me quit. So I'm like, all right, well, look, the season's over. I'm just not going to bring up with football trials, you know, football uh, camp starts because I'm not going to play, right? Man, they made me go out there and play. Made me, you know. It did, nope. Father would always say, if I let you quit this, Every time, son, you're out life, you're going to quit that too. When I became a full adult man living on my own, I seen exactly what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. People claim to want something, but they quit so easy. Man, listen, bro, before you get to the rainbow, you got to go through the storm. That's just the way it is. And you have to realize that's just part of the process. It's not going to come easy. You can try to aim low because I get that. Sometimes people try to aim, well, you know, I, I don't want to make 50 or $100,000 a month. I don't need to make that. That's about $5,000 a month. That puts you at $60,000 part-time outside of your full-time job. Do you know how many people would like to make? I know people with master's degrees. I'm going to major say I know people with master's degrees that don't make 40. Mm-hmm. And here it is. You're trying to have your full-time job and make 60 because you think aiming low is going to get you to a deal quicker. No, you still got to go through the process. This is not a get rich quick scheme. Real estate is get rich slow if you do it right. Mm-hmm. And when I say do it right, meaning holding properties and um, collecting cash flow and building equity, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But this is a long-term play. This is not a fly-by-night. Sometimes you got to turn social media off and turn on your life. Mm-hmm. But this is the most important thing, man. When I was when I was first getting started, man, it took me eight months to get my first deal, bro. I couldn't quit month three. I couldn't quit month five because I had to deal with my reality. My reality was my life sucked. I got tired of going to the club 
ain't coming home to nothing. I got tired of everybody else getting a promotion. And here it is. I'm going to the principal office to do my job. And they sent down to tell me how bad I suck. I got tired of, hey, okay, well, I'm employee of the month this month. However, well, I never actually got employee of the month, but they did recognize me in the classroom before. But And they give me a keychain. Bro, I'm a grown man. What am I going to do with a keychain, bro? <laughs> I need a check, bro. A check, bro. I need money, bro. I'm broke, bro. I got to eat. So listen, don't quit. You know, you got to visualize your goal, man. You have to go after it. It's a very important thing, man. I don't think there's anything I can say to make that any better. That was awesome. You need to record that, set it to some epic music, and put it on a YouTube channel as an inspirational video for everyone to listen to when they first wake up in the morning. Because, I mean, you just couldn't couldn't say that any better than what you said. And I think that really encapsulates a lot of the advice you've given us on today's show is that you had to develop these skills. In order to develop them, you had to take responsibility for what you didn't like, which you call embracing reality. And then you had to not quit. You had to stick with it so that those skills had time to be developed, just like how real estate works. So I think your dad gave you a great gift in that sense of if I let you quit this, you'll quit everything. Because that's so true. Those habits that we form will determine the quality of life that we end up with. And you've obviously got a great business. You did it coming from places where people around you were not doing this. You didn't have examples that you could follow. Um, You've had an uphill battle from what you've described here at almost every turn. And you've done it with what looks like ease compared to a lot of other people. So uh, that's just a great story, a great message. Before we move on to our uh, Furious Four here, is there any last words that you want to say just regarding how other people can kind of follow you up that hill? Man, don't focus on the goal, focus on the process. It's, you know, listen, you complain about your life now, but if you do nothing in four years, you'll still be complaining about your life. So just keep that in mind. Very nice. All right. We're going to put a bow on that because that was very well said. Uh, And we're going to move on to the next segment of our show, which is the Furious Four. We've got four questions that we are going to ask each other for the audience to benefit from. So I will go first. What is one real estate or business book someone should read to succeed as a full-time real estate investor? All right, man. So, (laughs) you know, you you heard this eight million times. So I'm going to just go ahead and say it again. I said on 116, man. You know, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, man, is I feel is like uh, a must read. Um, that pretty much put my life on track for this uh, situation that I'm in today. So the reason being, man, he mentioned something extremely important in that book, man. So I'm one of those people. I just jumped off the building and said I, I wear wings on the way down. And uh, yeah, so I felt that's what happened to me. So, but one thing he said in the book, man, that changed my whole outlook was, yo, before you invest in real estate investing, you have to learn about real estate investing. Before you invest in stocks, you have to learn about stock investing. Mm -hmm. And I realized I never learned about real estate investing. So then I educated myself on real estate investing. And bruh, the journey has been a blessing, even with all the ups and downs. And I had my ups and downs. But, you know, everything I've been through, let me tell you this, man, it was worth it. I'd rather do this than be at a job, hating my life, not being able to take a vacation. Now, Dave, let me ask you, bro. What's your number one real estate or business book, bro? So if it comes down to somebody who wants to go into real estate investing full time, it's so good they can't ignore you by Cal Newport. 
So Cal paints this really good picture about the romantic mindset people have where they believe it's their right to earn money in a way that they're passionate about. And a lot of people grow up hearing, well, you should do something that you love and the money will just follow. And so you get someone that's into underwater basket weaving or, you know, they really love blogging. And so they try to force other people to fund their life because they want to provide a value through a blog. But human beings are all narcissists. We just only we care about how something affects us, right? That's why you want to solve problems Absolutely. and provide value because it makes you valuable to other people. And you often end up frustrated trying to force life to work according to what's easiest for you. What Cal states in that book is that you're much better off to develop a skill, the ability to solve problems, to do something at a very high level so you are now of value to other humans. And the better you get at that, you get to a point that you can write your own check. You can tell people, if you want my help, if you want to be a part of what I'm doing, whatever it is, you give me this much. This is my terms of what I'm going to do. So imagine you at the call center and you're so good on the phone that you blow everybody away in sales and you go renegotiate the commission that you want or the hours that you want to work. And it's just a different mindset. If you want to be a full-time investor, you're going to be doing nothing but solving problems that are frankly unique and kind of difficult to solve. There's no college course you can take on how to solve real estate problems. Okay. Like there's no one to show you how to do that. In the most cases, you're going to figure that out. So adopting that attitude of I'm just going to be so damn good that nobody can tell me no, that no one could ever say, I don't want you is my way that, or my advice for how people can get themselves out of situations in life they don't like. Absolutely. I like that, man. You know, that sounds like a good book, man. I remember when I was in the call center for Wachovia, and it was Wachovia, they actually had sales guys who negotiated. They were so good at sales. It was two or three of them. It was, I think it was two. The guy was so, two guys, they were so good at sales that they got, not only did they negotiate their commission, they were able to walk work from home. And their reason for work to home said, hey, if I come in, it takes me 40 minutes to go, 40 minutes to come back. That's two hours I could have been making sales. So mm-hmm. I'd rather just sit at home and sell. But yeah, but yeah, that that actually happens. So for people, you know, that think that, you know, Dave's just talking, no, you become that good, people will cater to you. I have a, a picture of Stephen Curry that I keep on the wall in my office just to remind Shout out to myself. Stephen Curry. Yeah, he's from, go, right? he's from North Carolina. There you go. Absolutely. If you're as if you're become the Stephen Curry of whatever you do, you write your own check. And that's just what I, it's a constant reminder to work like he worked, to focus like he focused, to look at life like he looked at basketball and to become the Stephen Curry of real estate. Cause that, that there's no way you could be denied if that's what you do. All right. So question number three, we talked about five of them, but what's one more habit or skill that a full-time investor needs to develop? Let's see. Um, you will have to learn time management. Again, this is new to you. All right. You've never done it. You're probably working a job. You have to learn time management. Time blocking. You have to know, hey, between these hours, I'm on, I'm on the phone. I'm putting into this business. Between these hours, I'm out collecting data, um, buying leads, etc. Between these hours, I'll do that to look at emails or something. But you will have to learn time management. It's a, 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 a very good uh, skill to have because if you don't have time management in this business, you'll be all over the place. Great advice. All right. So look, man, Dave. Got a question for you, man. What's the one thing that separates successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started at all, bro? It's listening to the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast. You're listening to something else. 
I just, there's no hope for you. This is the only place you're going to, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think that there's a lot of things that kind of contribute to somebody who, who is successful within real estate. It's underrated, but having capital is huge. I just see the people who come into this thing with some money that they can put into the deal or into their business are less afraid of taking action because they don't feel like, hey, this is only $8,000 I have to my name. You're never going to want to move forward if that's all that you have. Uh, they are able to make mistakes and learn from them, which is what you really need to do. Right? Imagine going into a basketball game and you're not allowed to make a turnover. You're not going to get better. You have to yeah. be able to go in there and, and, and in practice, make mistakes and try new things and improve yourself. So if you're someone who just doesn't have capital, the first thing I like to say is, well, why don't you? Right. What is it about your mindset? What is it about your approach? Are you the person going to the club every night and coming home to nothing like what you just said? No, sir. Uh, that's something the first thing you got to change because you got some holes in your own bucket that you need to fill. And the next piece is, can you partner with someone who does have that capital? It doesn't have to be yours. And if the answer is no, well, why not? Why don't people trust me? Why don't people believe in me? Why don't people want to partner? Is there some holes in my character that I need to fill so that people would be comfortable investing with me? And I think if you take that approach, it'll put the spotlight back on yourself and you'll have to step up your game and improve the ways that you need to, to get to the next level. Hey, Dave, man, I think that's a great answer, bro. Let me tell the people a story because you just reminded me of something, man. Look, failure is part of the process. You're going to fail. You're going to make a fool out of yourself. Just get comfortable with it. It's not the end of the world. Okay. Always keep this in mind. You know, when Netflix came out with the idea, um, which was, and Dave probably remembers, remembers this when Netflix came out the idea, they had an idea to let you rent DVDs with no late fees. All right. It wasn't always a streaming service, but, and they actually got, they, 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 they wanted to take out Blockbuster. That was the intention to take out Blockbuster, man. So they were laughed at a lot. But look at them today and look at what they did. I remember, man, I was at the bank, man. We, I used to go to like these, uh, I was part of all these committees and meetings. So you get some time off the phone and all that. Uh, the Fortune 500 companies normally offer that, man. I was in this meeting and the speaker was a motivational speaker. And she said, does anyone know? their purpose in life. And that was 24, 25 at the time. So I was eager and I raised my hand like, yeah, I know my purpose in life. Pick me. They said, um, so what's your purpose in life? I said, to be rich. Everybody laughed at me. Everybody laughed at me. Everybody. And then they thought I was joking, but everybody laughed at me. The whole room just bust out laughing. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm not, I wasn't joking. You know what I mean? I was you know, be financially free, son, you know? Um, but, you know, fast forward today, man, becoming financially free was something that happened to me because I believed it could happen. Nobody in that room believed that could happen for me, man. They all laughed at me, man. One guy in that room came up to me after and gave me his business card for like a network marketing thing. I'm sure, you know, everybody who tried to get me in their network marketing still has a job today, you know, um, <laughs> take that. But anyway, I chose correctly and which was the real estate thing, man, to staying on that path, man. So, you know, fast forward, any of those people Google me, Nasser El Arabi, they can see my success, see what I have going on because I had a vision and I did not let them laugh me out of my vision. Mm. Go ahead, Dave. That's awesome. I think that's a great place to end this thing. So one last question, where can people find out more about you? First thing first, you can find me on Instagram, Real Estate Duru. Duru is D-O-R-U because I actually do this business. So Real Estate Duru on Instagram. 
on YouTube. Um, it's youtube.com slash real estate uh, guru. And those are my two most active platforms. Uh, I have a blog, realestateguru.com. Hey, if you want to talk directly with me and you want to text me, you can text me at 704-285-1600. Looking forward to hearing from you. And thank you guys for having me today. Thank you very much, Nasser, for sharing your wisdom, your insight, the struggle that you've been through, and just your story. You're a great storyteller, and I had a great time listening to you today. I know you're going to be doing a Bigger Pockets wholesale episode with Max Maxwell. So everybody listening, be sure to tune in and catch Nasser's sequel to his interview with me today, where he and Max Maxwell are going to take on the process of wholesaling, and you'll get even more value than you got today. That being said, this is David Green for Nasser from No Commas to No Limits El Arabi signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.